0: time. So let's uh, start with a quick review. Okay so we um, we did a quick look at the survey. We spent a little bit of time on this and we broke it down into some categories um, where we could look at, um, at attributes, tasks and processes and from these we looked and saw that from the attributes and we'll see in task 2 there wasn't a whole lot of areas of Improvement needed, but we did see that we were doing pretty well in those areas Um, We did note that prayer was one area that did show up and we addressed that last year and Then we looked at um, The process area and that one stood out that one has several areas here that we need to um, to look at and several of all the high items other than one they were areas that needed improvement and so uh, this is really going to be what Uh, sets the foundation for our class Um, from there we looked at practical living and what it meant and what we what we looked at with that was some learning cycles Um, so we called these learning cycles even though they we've titled them something else and the reason is all three of these cycles are about us learning Um, and as we learn uh, more than we can as we learn more, we get more proficient. And this is not just book smarts, which this is kind of about book smarts, but we also get better at, I'll call it street smarts, which is really experience. Um, and we talked about um, learning in the, in the way of, we could spend, we could take every topic in the Bible and order them, and then we could start t- teaching on those and 30 years later we'll be probably have a pretty good start (laughs) at all of that so we can't possibly do enough to give you everything you need so in some regard we need to teach you how to pull it out for yourself and that's really again what the class is focused on so we looked at this study cycle and we noted that you're going to become aware of topics Uh, as you become aware of them you're going to learn things that may or may not be true someone may tell you that hey did you know that um, God would be more happy if we had a band instead of just singing the way we do. And uh, we need to study that. We need to determine for ourselves whether that's true or false. Once we determine if it's false, we'll throw it away. If it's true, we'll add it to our knowledge base. That will give us more knowledge. That in, its, in and of itself is important, but not enough. If all we have is knowledge and we're not very useful, um, although we can be a wealth of information, we're not useful to God then we need to apply that knowledge, which then makes us useful, and in applying that knowledge, then we begin to train our conscience. (laughs) Think about, is your conscience and your mind the same thing? We'll get to that. Um, Then we have this feedback cycle where, okay, you learned something, was it right? Maybe you need to correct that a little bit. Maybe you need to be uh, brought up to a higher level. Maybe you need some proof on how you're how you're actually applying it and it'll come back around and demand more study. We know that last time this thing ought to be a lifelong activity. This should never stop. We should always be involved in this knowledge uh, acquisition and then the application of knowledge. The next cycle we looked at was the uh, temptation cycle or a challenge cycle. This is where something comes and tempts us or challenges our beliefs. The first thing we look at is, did we train our conscience? So this takes us back to the previous cycle and basically says, did you learn what you needed to in this area? And you may not have. You may not have gotten there yet. And so when you have this, uh, this challenge come up and you, and you look at it, you may, all of you may have it available to you is your own reasoning. Is that a good place to be? Not really. <clears throat> our reasoning many times sounds good to us, but it's not really going to get us to the truth. Um, Sometimes knowing enough about God, we will be successful, but it's not, this is not a good way for success. And if once we do that, we take our own reasoning, we have to make a decision and we'll either fall and really what needs to be over here is we'll overcome. And then we'll come back around to here. So if we have trained our conscious though, We have man's reasoning available and God's teaching. And you might say, well, obviously we're just going to do what God says. Well, that's not obvious. It's not always true. Sometimes we look at it and we say, I know what God said, but... And then we go do our man's reasoning, and when we do that, we fall. And so, do we have the ability to make good decisions and to decide right from wrong and to stick with our convictions, or will we not? And that's some, that's a tool or a capability that we need to have. Can I stick with the decision? What's that really about? Self control. Self control. So, if can I control myself to stay with it? Uh, we're all born with self control, right? This is natural <laughs> for us. No, no, we're kind of born to want, aren't we? We basically want what we want, and so we usually do whatever we need to to get it. And <clears throat> that's not really self-control. that's just uh, self-preservation and self-fulfillment. Uh, if we can come up uh, through and overcome that deci- overcome uh, and stick with the decision we made back here, then we will overcome. but that's not over. We may have the same thing challenges again and the next time we may, may not be as strong.
1: Uh, Going back to God's teaching and man's reasoning, I have a question. Mm -hmm. I have worked with a couple of ladies at uh, Kimmel and uh, showed them scripture. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they said, well, I still believe this. I know what it says. Where do you go from there?
0: It's tough because what are you missing when you do that? You're missing a standard, aren't you? Yeah. If, yeah. you, if you can't establish a standard, can we ever come to an agreement?
1: Yeah, they you, know, really. yeah, you show them the scripture, and they right. read it from the Bible. And, and they say, well, one had to do with the Virgin Mary. This uh-huh. this friend is is Catholic. And she said, and I showed her, you know, that Jesus had brothers and right, sisters. Right. And she said, well, she's still Virgin Mary to me. Yeah. Uh, where do you go? Yeah, that's <laughs> tough
0: because you, you're missing a standard where... If you, what you want them to say is, if God says it in the Bible, whether I believe it or not, I'm going to do it. But, and you're missing that standard where they're willing to accept whatever the Bible says. And yeah. that, that's a tough place and, to be. some ways, you need to back up then and, and say, okay, well, we need to get this idea of authority down. We need to get the idea of, of uh, who's right, who's wrong, and who makes the rules. We've got to get that down first yeah. because you're not following what I'm trying to say when god says something are we going to listen it
1: is so frustrating (laughs) it is
0: and you know we're not quite as blatant but we still do that sometimes yeah we still have our own biases Uh, and our own thoughts so but then we're going to have this feedback we're going to be challenged again and we're going to have to have this happen again now on the teaching cycle which we really focused on earlier in the year um When we went through that we not only gained knowledge but we gained ability, we gained the ability to learn, we gained the ability to apply, we gained the ability to to train our conscience. With this one we gained the ability to uh, overcome, we gained the ability to make better decisions, we gained the ability to discern right from wrong and discern and and to be able to use our conscience more effectively. we learn two things. We get book smarts and we get street smarts out of this. So it's useful to pay attention to the process as well as the teaching itself. So um, we can get something useful out of both of these. Finally, we looked at this cycle. These two are the two first two cycles we talked about. And so as you're going through this training cycle over and over and over, you're learning more, you're, you're coming up to a higher knowledge of what God wants. You're applying things to your life more. And you're gaining faith. As that happens you're also being tempted and so when you when that happens and you're tempted now you have to go back through and you learn some more and you're tempted some more and you learn some more and you're tempted and when you overcome you gain more faith. Now if you don't overcome what happens? Sometimes it takes you down doesn't it? It actually takes you in a different direction where it'll start to weaken your faith. And so, it is important through this that we're, that we're uh, successful. The other thing we noted was this training cycle, is it voluntary or involuntary? Do you get to choose whether you're going to learn, or, or yeah. is it mandatory? You get to choose, you go don't into you? It. you?
1: Like this, this friend, you know, went into it, but she didn't go into it to learn.
0: Yeah, and, and it should be mandatory, but it's not. It's voluntary. You can, you can ignore this. Can you ignore this? It's gonna happen. It's gonna come after you and it's gonna get you. What's the worst case? When you don't do this. Because now you have nothing to stand on. So now you're in trouble when you do that. So this is important to get through this. Now as you're, you're working through these and you're gaining more and more uh, capability and knowledge and um, determination and self and will, then you're gaining experience and that's really what this, uh, what we're trying to get to with this class is we're learning experience. As we go through and learn more and more experience, we learn to persevere more. We learn to stick through these things. Uh, you just enjoy a good day that has a lot of trouble in it? I don't. I, I just wish they'd end. And we could just have a lot easier day. But through those situations, uh, you're going to get perseverance. And then once you keep doing this enough, when you've lived this in your life enough, you gain habits. And when you when things become more habitual, they become more predictable. So we kind of compared this to driving a car. When you first drive a car, you're looking at the mirror, you're watching your what you're pressing, your feet are in the right places, hands in the right places, the radio's off, you're you're watching the street and all the mirrors. And it seems like you're doing 20 things at once, and you're just pretty sure you're going to crash. Because you just can't do that many things at once. But now when you get in the car, you're doing one thing, right? You're driving. You don't think about those 20 things anymore. Why? Because they become habits. They become built into you to the point where you can do all those things, and it seems as if you're doing one thing, not 20 (coughs) things. You're still doing all those things, you just don't. You don't need to think about them like you do in the early parts of this. Finally, when you get through all of this, you're gaining wisdom. What is wisdom?
1: Application of knowledge.
0: Application of knowledge. Successful application of knowledge. And you can't get wisdom by just studying it, can you? You can get the seed of wisdom, which is back here. You need that. God says His word is wisdom. Well, it's wisdom applied. So if you apply it through temptations, through experience, through perseverance, through your habits, you're gaining a wisdom now that's been tried by fire. And that's true wisdom. That's the wisdom that's gonna get you somewhere. So from this, we, we gain wisdom, and that's really the end of what we're trying to get to is be able to be wise. Now, once you have that wisdom, what can you do with that? Well, you chart these waters very well, but what else can you do? Share it. You can help others to a, in a degree that's really effective. Just like our lesson this morning because you have experience, you have background, you have been through it and you've made it through it and you have survived it. Um, and maybe even been very successful through it. So you have the ability now to help other people. So um, this is a, uh, a skill that we really need. We need to be able to, to be successful in this and with that then our lives will be a lot easier to live. And early on you can you can remember this when you were first a Christian, it was like you were having to watch your front mirror, your rear view mirror, your accelerator, your hand positions. I mean you were watching everything. You were you were thinking very hard about everything you were doing and now it's a lot easier and it should be a lot easier. Um, you know too often what happens in the church especially is we stop at the temptation cycle or we seek mm-hmm. out help and advice at the temptation cycle. So if I'm
1: struggling with it, and I know somebody else is too, that's my peer, typically. I'll go to them and I'll ask for help. But they've not been through the rest of the cycles either. They've not really built that that structure to get the wisdom. So the help that they're giving me may or may not be valuable.
0: It may not be time tested. It may not be might bullet tested. That's good. Bullet yeah. tested. Um, If that's what you have though, that's a good thing, because we are here to help each other and you may end up having to get this together, which is also a good thing. I mean, it it helps to go through these things when you know you're not alone, even if either one of you know the answer. So It is useful, but it's not not the same as if you're at wisdom and you're helping someone (coughs) who's not. You're so much better resource to them. You're so much more important to them. So um, this helps us to be skilled with God's word and to be able to use it effectively and to be able to be strong and to be able to be successful. Um, just as a note, the questions that are up on the website, you should, be, uh, you should have probably done questions 2A uh, and we'll try to remember to tell you, look at the next set as you go. 2A will be good for the next week. We'll be covering uh, some topics on conscience so um, let's take a look at um, these cycles and the survey that we did. And let's just kind of map things out. So these were the categories that we talked about with the process area. And like the, f- the first cycle here, uh, when you look at this, study was one of the topics and it's right there in the, in the cycle. Discernment is needed for uh, determining whether something's true or not. Knowledge. application those are all items in the survey they're all contained within our within our uh, flowcharts in temptation we need discernment choosing which up here was called choosing but it's really decision-making we need self-control within this we also need patience which we talked about within this uh, we talked about faith being in this in the survey perseverance and wisdom so all these things are really contained within what we're doing And so that's kind of the way the the class is mapped out. And so the tools that that we focused on uh, providing more information on was the conscience, because that's right kind of at the end of the the learning cycle with the the class we did earlier in the year we focused more on the tools to learn, tools to study. This is more about what do you do with that, how do you use that effectively. Decision-making we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about self-control. We're going to talk about habits and we're going to talk about then at the end, these topics that we're asking you to rank, um, we'll, we'll cover a couple of those um, and get into those, show you how to use this a little bit more. I also want to look at a couple of scriptures. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. <clears throat> when you look at that, it says, For by these, by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust now for this very reason also this is the this is the sequence of development for this very reason also applying diligence in your faith supply moral excellence in your moral excellence knowledge in your knowledge self-control in your self-control perseverance in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our lord so there we see this um, building up of capabilities we see all, many of our topics are listed uh, in that scripture alone, and they're talked about as, as if it's a progression of development, uh, working your way up. Um, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, it's very similar. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. So there we know now we're happy with our tribulations, our sufferings, our temptations. Well, now we can see a little bit why that's true. Because we know know that knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. We've kind of illustrated that. And perseverance, proving character, proving character, hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So again, we see that development process. And, uh, and how injecting some of these things like this temptation cycle in, how it actually turns out to be a benefit for us if we will have the attitude of being successful with it. Um, one of the things I learned a long time ago, and, and hopefully this is true because I've said it way too many times, um, <laughs> they say that in, in uh, Oriental language that the word for crisis is opportunity, which seems odd but if you think about it, it actually is. With every crisis you have, you have the opportunity to succeed or to fall. And if your attitude is to succeed, then it turns out to be an opportunity, not a crisis. And so if you have that attitude about these things, they don't become nearly as um, negative as a topic, they become a little more positive. So when you're hit with suffering and temptation, James said, and Dave brought this up on Wednesday night, James said, pray for wisdom, but he also says if you want endurance, what do you do? Well, you're going to have suffering, right? So we we talked about it and said, well, if you're going to take that to its extreme and you pray to God for wisdom, what's kind of likely to happen to you? Temptation and suffering. Why? Because that's what's going to get you there. If we have, if things are very easy for us, life is just smooth, simple, no issues, no troubles, no problems, where do we find ourselves many times? Complacent. Complacent. We're not very strong, we're not very dedicated. It takes a very unusual and strong person to live in that environment and still be the kind of person they need to be, so it's not necessarily in our best interest. But it's certainly not something we look forward to. I don't get up every morning hoping that I have a tough day.
1: My least favorite <coughs> command is give thanks in all things. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> We're going to look at a few of those as we look at some of these things. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14-17. through 17. It says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood, and he's talking to Timothy here, From childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching. We saw that. For reproof and correction. We saw that. For training in righteousness, which I believe is is more than just teaching. It's learning how to apply your teaching so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Um, And then finally, of course, Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in order do you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. And so there um, we see wisdom. We see um, praying for wisdom. Uh, we see temptations given in those. Um, we see a development that needs to occur. And so that's, that's kind of where we're uh, basing the class. And then, oops. Go way. So this will be really where we're going. And we're going to start with the conscience. We'll spend a couple classes on the conscience, and then we'll move from there. What is a conscience? We all know what it is, don't we? But we just don't know how to explain it.
1: <laughs> yes, that's
0: so, one way it would be, it, it helps us know right from wrong. So, there is an aspect of conscience that has to do with right and wrong. Any other thoughts? We're going to go into this in a lot of detail. So, I'm just trying to get to a self, little bit of self awareness. self awareness. That's another good one. Um, I also asked you the question is the mind and the conscience the same thing? think about that it's not really it's not all right let's do some definitions here all right so when we define um, the conscience we're going to use vines as a uh, kind of a roadmap you guys probably learned about vines in the last class uh, one of the (coughs) study tools that you can use Uh, so before we jump into vines Merriam Webster says that um, it's the sense of consciousness of the moral goodness or blameworthiness Of one's own conduct intentions or character together with a feeling of obligation to do right or wrong so there's an obligation aspect of this sensitive in regard to fairness or justice is another aspect of it Uh, here he says uh, it's a co-knowledge with oneself that sounds schizophrenic (laughs) having a co knowledge with yourself it's having a discussion with yourself. We worry about it when we start talking to ourselves and answer to ourselves. But that's what this is talking about, having a discussion, having a, a co-knowledge with yourself, the witness born to one's own conduct by conscience. Uh, part B down here, the process of thought, which distinguishes what is considers morally good or bad, commending the good, condemning the bad, and so prompting to do the former and avoid the latter. So a traffic cop that tells us good and bad and helps us to do one and not do the other. He's got a lot of stuff in here about where, uh, what it means. We're gonna hit every one of these definitions and the scriptures involved, so we're gonna do a very wide survey of, con- of uh, the conscience. <coughs> the last uh, definition comes from Holman. Uh, human capacity to reflect upon the degree to which one's behavior has conformed to moral norms of the idea of moral norms and that brings the idea of a standard like we talked about Uh, the word so we're going to talk about this in this section the there's no word in the Old Testament for conscience I found that really interesting (laughs) there's no word for conscience in the Old Testament one of the reasons for that is because the Greeks uh, came along and they started uh, thinking in this way and that brought up the idea of conscience. Do you think God knew about conscience certainly? But they man didn't come to that realization if God would have talked about it back in the Old Testament Man wouldn't have known what to think about it. In fact a lot of times when you talk in terms of, of The knowledge inside of man they talk about it coming from your bowels Which you know today we would say it comes from your mind then it was down here. We think up here so, um, very different ways of looking at things between the Old and the New. And so, um, we're going to look at uh, just the Old Testament in very broad, uh, quick passing. Uh, I'm going to read some scriptures to you, and then we'll uh, see what they say and move on to the New Testament. Okay, start with Psalm 7 verse 9. We're just going to work down through these. Oh, let the evil of the wicked one come to an end. But establish the righteous, for the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. See hearts and minds mentioned there. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart. Again, mind and heart. Their inner thought is that their houses are forever, and their growing places to all generations. They have called their lands after their own name. So the inner thought in Psalms 49. Psalm 64, they devise injustices, saying, We are ready with a well conceived plot, for the inward thought of and the heart of a man are deep. Inward thought again. Proverbs 14, uh, 33, wisdom rests in the heart of one who has understanding, but in the hearts of fools it is made null. So again, the idea of hearts. And then Proverbs 26, 24, he who hates disguises it with his lips, but he lays up deceit in his heart. So that's kind of in, in the Old Testament view. Those three terms, heart, mind, and inward thoughts, are kind of the idea of conscience uh, as discussed back then. Uh, We're not going to spend any more time in the Old Testament. We're going to jump into the New Testament. New Testament has a lot to say about the conscience. It's all over the place. And so we're going to look at every scripture that we can find that has to do with conscience. There are a lot more because the idea of conscience is buried all over the place. Uh, we're looking more at where the word conscience shows up or consciousness shows up. Um, we learned some things about the conscience, like needing it, to be, it needing to be trained. It needs to know what's right and wrong. It's, it uh, indicates to us whether something is right or not. Um, and then there's a lot more. So we're going to start with uh, Acts 24. <clears throat> so with each of these, we'll go through the scripture. We'll talk about what it says. And then uh, we'll move to the next one. We've got the I've got these categorized. So in this one we're to work to keep our conscience in a blameless, pure and clean state. So the Bible talks about your conscious needing to be pure, to be clean, and to be blameless. So in Acts chapter 24. Uh, but I admit, but this I admit to you that according to the way, which they call a sect. I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. Having a hope in God, which these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In view of this, in view of this resurrection, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience before both God and men. So what are some things we learn in that particular chapter or verse? Conscience can be, or needs to be, blameless. Needs to be blameless before God, and needs to be blameless before men. And
1: something we have control over.
0: Yes, and that's that's the tough, tough part is, we don't worry about God, because we know what his standard is. Man's standard's a lot different. And so, are we always going to be able to achieve that blamelessness before man? No. But when that happens, it ought to be because it's their problem, not ours. And so he does talk a lot more about that
1: as well. Well, And Um, conscience is trained.
0: And the conscience is trained, yes. Um, And it has a, it has a motivation to it in that, as I, as he says, he looks ahead. He says, um, in view of this, in view of the fact that there's going to be a resurrection. Because of that motivation, I'm going to try to make my conscience blameless. What would be the activity in making a conscience blameless? That's it. So first of all, you've got to know God's Word. you got to put it in there. And actually, we could make our conscience blameless without God's Word, but we'll, we'll go down that path first. Yeah. Um, so we put God's Word in there, and then how do we make our conscience blameless? We've got to follow it, right? If we violate it, is our is our conscience blameless now? No, because we violated it. <clears throat> and so, the the fact that a conscience can be violated is another aspect of this. And that having a blameless conscience provides to us a set of uh, motivations or a uh, a set of um, requirements for us that says you need to do certain things if you're going to make that happen. So if we're going to make our conscience blameless, pure, and clean, we have some things we've got to do. And so um, the conscience becomes very important then when we look at it from that aspect because we can put knowledge into our mind. But if we don't put God's knowledge in our conscience, we've got a problem. Now, we're going to look at at this in more detail, but just think about Can you violate your conscience even if your conscience is wrong and be okay? Don't answer that now. We're going to talk about that later.
1: You know, it gives me encouragement <clears throat> to that verse 16. When Paul, you know, the the Apostle Paul says, I do my best to maintain. He doesn't say I'm perfect. Oh, yeah. He just does the best he can. Yeah. And that's required of us. And we're not going to be perfect. We're not. But we, we are to do the best we can.
0: But there is a, view, there is a mindset, right, yeah. that says, I'm going to do the best I can to keep mm-hmm. my conscience blameless. Yeah. And when we do that, we're really saying, "I'm going to do my best to follow God's word the best way I can." And just a different way of looking at that is, I'm going to keep my conscience blameless. Okay.
1: And when and when we sin, the conscience plays a factor in
0: our <clears throat> remorse. It should. It should. It better, right? It better.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's that's really where we're going with this whole thing is, your conscience plays such an important role in your daily life, and we don't necessarily talk about it very often, but. But it's not just a traffic cop just to, to turn the lights on when things are going bad. It's trying to stop that from happening before it happens and then it's trying to, to uh, make sure you realize that it happened afterwards. <coughs> <coughs> there are temptations, we didn't mention or talk about this this time, but in that temptation cycle, if you're tempted with something you don't even know about, are you going to recognize it? No. You Will you fall for it? Probably. And so. Conscience is important because it's the thing that's going to help you with that. Yeah,
1: right. a good example of that, I was visiting with Needy yesterday afternoon, and uh, we, we talked about this. Uh, there's a place around the corner from Kibble that supposedly has really good food. A lot of people eat there, mm-hmm. but it's also a bar. Mm-hmm. She said, I have been so tempted to go for breakfast but I can't go in there and I said well I've been tempted to go on Friday night for the catfish but I can't either, do you? Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. You know, because of our conscience. Yes. We just can't go in there. Mm-hmm. She said I paced that place for 40 years and I wanted to go in and I can't. <laughs> and
0: it's not like you know that if you go in there you're gonna you're gonna fall off the rails? Yeah, it's we'd just, go you're for the food. The, you're just avoiding the appearance of evil, Yeah, right? that's,
1: that's what we'd, we'd go for the food. But still, we can't go in. We if just, someone saw you, that up. would bother you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, that's a very good application of how your conscience helps mm-hmm. you. And, and you don't necessarily have to think about it. You just know. We just... You just know. No,
1: we, just we just don't. I said, if we did go in, we wouldn't enjoy what we were eating. <laughs> she said, no. <laughs>
0: that's good. All right. So let's look at uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 19. Uh, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regards to their faith. So here, faith and the conscience are coupled together, keeping faith and a good conscience. Those things work together. Um, you can't have one without the other. And here he's telling them, you guys need to fight the good fight. Um, You need to keep faith and a good conscience. So if this is a fight, fight the fight. What does it mean about keeping a good conscience then?
1: Well, the whole armor of God. Yeah, it's
0: going to take some work, isn't it? You're going to have to put it on. You're going to have to work on it. And so none of these things are shortcuts. There's nothing that you can just, you know, go to your Bible, read three verses, and now you've got this down. It's just not that simple. Uh, There's a lot of work involved, and it's going to take a lot of time to get there, especially when you look at the faith cycles where you're going to have to do this over and over and over before it's really cemented in, in you. But it is absolutely worthwhile. So let's look at the next category. Uh, this one, uh, the con- your conscience can be evil. Is that, is that the end of it all? Is there, is there no more hope after that once your con- conscience is evil? No, your conscience can be cleansed and so the conscience can be evil and what that says is is we can do things with our conscience that makes it wrong well how would we do that just train it incorrectly might be one way Uh, so let's look at hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 through 23 therefore brethren since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now this is the picture of entering the temple to offer sacrifice, right, in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is our place in how we do this in the New Covenant. And so, if you're gonna enter the presence of God in the Old Testament, what did you have to be, you had to be cleansed. cleansed you had to be clean and the high priest was the only one that could do that so it was very limited you had to be cleansed and that process took seven days and so it took a long time there was a lot involved in it a lot of blood was shed for that and so he had to be cleansed then and only then could he take the blood of the sacrifices and only he could take the blood of the sacrifice into the most holy place to offer the sacrifice for the sins of the people we have the same issue. we can't just jump into the presence of god in all our uncleanness and think that he's going to accept us and so in order to do that we need to do some things and here he says we need to be cleansed let us draw near with a sincere heart so let's go into his presence with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean and why is our our uh, according to this, why are our hearts needing to be sprinkled clean? Because we have an evil conscience and the evil conscience has polluted our our um, hearts and so we need to be cleansed, we need to be washed, we need to be purified. So this tells us that we, we can have an evil conscience but we need to clean it up and fix it. Um, and so what, is, what do you think they're sprinkling with here?
1: Sprinkling with water? I think it's
0: blood. We're sprinkling with blood. We're going to see that in a couple passages, but we're going to sprinkle with blood to cleanse. And that was definitely a uh, truth in the Old Testament, right? Everything that was cleansed was cleansed with blood. Um, and during the gospel meeting, we, as you think about that picture of have taking this pristine temple and using blood over and over, year after year, it would have created such a mess, but, but that's a cleansing process, even though we may not see it for that. And so, uh, the heart has to be cleansed, and this would cause uh, our conscience to be cleansed from evil. Uh, the, the washing may refer to baptism, um, but we need to be clean. So, First 1 Timothy 1, 1.5. The goal of our instruction is love. From a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. I think there's three things here. The threefold goal of instruction is we're going to teach you so that you'll have a pure heart. We're going to teach you so you have a good conscience and we're going to teach you so you have a sincere faith. So what's involved in in having a good conscience? Teaching is involved. So we can purify our hearts from evil and that's going to take some teaching and it's also going to take some some work as we saw earlier. Uh, We'll stop there and uh, pick it up at that point. Um, I mentioned to some others that the, um, the slides from the last time are up on the website if you want to download them. And uh, if you could have those small, small sheets back by next Sunday, we'll start compil- compiling what you guys know, would you like to look at and have that queued up later in class. Thanks.